You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens, and today I'm joined by Jade Briani Hopper. Jade is an associate at law firm in Melbourne, Baker Jones, but it's fair to say, as you'll hear in the interview, that she doesn't like being described by her job title. Jade has a really varied career history, starting with her professional tennis career. Back in 2011, she played in the Australian Open, and in 2010, she won a gold medal for Australia in the Commonwealth Youth Games. As well as the professional tennis career and practicing as a lawyer, Jade also has an MBA and a background in marketing and business development. So as you can probably well guess, I was really interested to speak to Jade to understand how all those different experiences have played out in her journey doing law differently. We talk about the importance of having a mentor or a coach in your career and how Jade uses her background and all the different experiences she's had to really challenge the conventional approach to the practice of law. Instead of looking at how things are typically done, she asks us herself, what would I do in this situation? And that means that she has asked other lawyers out for a coffee to talk about the issues that their clients are facing, as opposed to writing them lengthy five-page letters, and that she regularly seeks feedback from her coach or her managing partner. I've got no doubt that you'll enjoy hearing Jade's story and you'll probably all want to connect with her to follow along and see what she's got in store next. Before I hit play on the interview, if you are doing law differently and you'd like to come on the show, do feel free to reach out and get in touch with me. I'm always looking for guests with interesting stories who I can interview. Jade is one of them. She reached out to me and said that she'd like to be a guest on the show. And had she not done that, I wouldn't have her wonderful story to share with you. So don't be shy. Reach out and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Now enjoy the interview. Hi, Jade. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. No worries, Lucy. It's lovely to be here. I was going to start this interview by asking you to tell me where your career in law all started, but I have a feeling that you might tell me that the legal bit was not quite the beginning and that it started far before you actually got your first job in law. So instead, I thought I'd ask you to take us back and tell us about the journey, perhaps starting with your tennis career. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, <laughs> or starting wherever you think the starting point is. Perhaps I shouldn't have added that bit. No, no, definitely. You know, it's I feel like I've had multiple lives in my lifetime. So whenever I go, okay, which part of my life do you want to hear about? But law's always been there. That's what's um, so lovely about where I am now. It's kind of like it's come full circle. So when I was younger, I was always training to be a professional tennis player, but always in the back of my mind, I knew that I wanted to do something else and not just be a tennis player. So there was always that part of me that, you know, my family's in academia. And uh, so I always wanted to pursue sort of a career or um, education outside of being a tennis player, regardless of where my tennis career took me. So ever since I was really young and, you know, it all goes back to Legally Blonde and that whole, story, you know, I'm of that, you know, generation. So watching Elle Woods, it's just it's so wonderful. So then when I was still playing tennis and finishing high school and uh, one of the universities in Australia offered a 
opportunity to do law undergrads sort of externally, which was fantastic through actually the Australian government held a um, sort of elite athlete program. So I was able to enrol in a law degree um, and not really attend classes, which was amazing, really unheard of. And at that stage, I was also looking at going to the US on a tennis scholarship or playing professional tennis. So these were like a few of my different options. And really, it was just kill two birds with one stone. I thought that was an amazing opportunity to a still pursue my professional tennis and also be able to study law. Turns out wasn't as amazing as it sounded. It was <laughs> Sounds quite full on. So difficult. Yeah. Sounds a bit intense. I wouldn't change it for the world, but it was a rough couple of years. I can't <laughs> lie. Professional tennis pretty much takes you, you're traveling 45 weeks of the year to different tournaments all around the world. And then having to sit my law exams after flying, you know, halfway around the world, not really getting much sleep, studying on planes. It really, let's just say neither career or um, neither Neither my tennis nor my law study really succeeded those two years as much as I wanted them to at least. And then that was kind of the beginning of the end for my tennis career because I really realized that I had to pick, you know, as much as I wanted to do both, I wasn't going to do both at the, at the best I could. So that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in tennis. I played the Australian Open. I'd won a gold medal for um, Australia, which was, you know, just hearing the national anthem when you're on the podium is just amazing um, in the Commonwealth Games. So when I was thinking about which which sort of pathway to go, I, I chose to continue my university studies and sort of close that chapter on tennis, which was a big decision, but definitely yeah. not one that I regret. Um, that would have been a hard decision. I mean, those are some pretty amazing achievements. And what year was this that you decided to retire? I was 19, so I was still really young. And it was in 2011. And okay, so it was just after you were kind of at the peak of your career, I suppose. Well, I was still going up. I just played the Australian Open. And if anything, it was a shock to it. Probably it wasn't a shock to me because that was my decision was coming. It was a year long process of me trying to decide how I'm going to manage the next year, pretty much. And when the Australian Open came around and I played, and I was going, you know what, I'm just not ready to do another year of this. I can't mentally handle what the last year sort of brought me. Even though there was amazing highs, I was moving up in my career, still had career high rankings all the time and getting to play the bigger and bigger tournaments, which in all essence was what I'd practiced for for the, my entire life. Your life, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much the start of my law journey. And then since then, I've kind of taken it. It's always been with me. I've held other roles in business and in the sports and in international business, international sports industry, just using a little bit of my tennis background. And I also have an MBA. So just trying to combine all of my knowledge and experience. But I've always kept law sort of close to my heart and always knew, knew that I wanted to pursue a career in it, just didn't know when the best opportunity would arise. So a couple of years ago, I decided to take the jump and moved back to Australia, which is my home, although I've never really lived here. Yeah. So, 
definitely again no regrets I think you can't regret something that you that you want to give it a go and even if it doesn't work out I thought oh well I'll just move again or I'll change my career again but at least I've given it a a good go. You've mentioned to me before that your career in tennis was fundamental in preparing you for your career in law I'm interested in that tell me about that what are some of the parallels that you see between the two which as an outsider we think these are completely different professions. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny that how much I draw on my experience as a tennis player, because although I had a relatively, you know, in the grand scheme of things, short professional career, it really was my life up until I was 19. I didn't go to school full time. Um, I was competing on the international junior and professional tours since I was really young. I mean, we've got under 10 or 12 um, international tournaments in the world. So it really forms who you are as a person. And I notice so often throughout my, even my day-to-day interactions, but really my general mindset of how I approach law and how I approach my career, that it's really been affected by my upbringing and sort of my mentality. And to give a couple of more specific examples is I have this theory of when you, of your boss in law. And for me, they're my coach. Yeah. That's 100% how I see them. The only main difference is instead of me paying them as my coach, they're paying me to work. <laughs> so I kind of figure out the best out of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really that's how I approach my um learning from my boss, so the partner at my current firm, Baker Jones, um, sorry, the two partners, when they're giving me feedback, uh, I'm pretty much sitting there and going, tell me more. How do I get better? How do I do better? And when they're critiquing my work, I'm going, yeah, no, I get it. I need to be up here or I need to adjust this. And to be honest, that's what I had for years and years and years as a um, professional tennis player. And so it's amazing that parallel in law that which I feel like in some industries it's not as similar because potentially I've got a background in marketing and business development and you're really, there's not as much critiquing and not as much of, oh, you need to get, you need to get better because you can do this, this and this. Whereas in law, there very much is, there's a very close mentorship within the hierarchy, I feel. So it's just a wonderful feeling to have again, to be like, okay, I've got someone here that really wants me to succeed and is only critiquing me to make me better. And it's just a wonderful feeling to feel, um, and okay, to be fair, some of the comments and it takes a bit, it's not harsh, but it's, it's tough to hear the critiques and the criticisms. But when you take a step back and you go, okay, it's only going to make me better because when you lose a match, your coach is telling you, you know, what you're doing wrong and how you can be better. And a lot of the time they're not happy with you because you didn't play your best. And but it's the same thing, you know, when I'm not prepared as well as I could be or I didn't perform as well at a hearing as I should, having your the partner that you're working for or your boss just coming to you and going, sitting you down and being like, look, what happened? You need to do better. I really am appreciative for it. It sounds like you have a very constructive and supportive relationship with the partners at your firm who sound to be very much like they are in the mentor and coach type of role, which I think is excellent. And that's also the experience that I've had in my career. But I know that that unfortunately is perhaps not as common as you and I would like to hope that it would be. So true. And I think there are quite a lot of junior lawyers who have a completely opposite experience 
which is why I think it's great that you have raised this because not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets Mm -hmm. that level of coaching so early on in their career. And I like that you've touched on just how valuable it is for you and how that then comes back to benefit the business. Because the better you are, the more you can improve, the more they will see the benefits of that too. Very much so, yeah. I know that you don't like to be defined by your job title or job description. And it made me smile when I read that about you because (laughs) I feel the same. I've never really felt like a job title really articulates all the variety of the different things I do. And you've already mentioned this actually in this interview, your tagline on LinkedIn is one life, so many lives. And I wondered if that was kind of what it was about. You don't fit, you don't feel like you want to fit into a box. Oh, absolutely. And I feel from when I was really young, it was just an innate I know, dislike of being put into a certain box. And I couldn't quite figure out why I felt so strongly about it and why I always thought being more than just a tennis player or being more than just a law student or whatever I was doing at that stage. And even today, and again, it's going back to, and I have to say, I completely agree with you. Not everybody finds, I guess, what you and I have found in that a boss or the partners that you work for really are in your team and backing you and supporting you to pursue other things outside of your day-to-day job, let's say. And it's fantastic because at the end of the day, I know for myself, as much as I love my job, it's not enough. And in order for me to do my job at the at the highest level and be as happy as I am presently, but continue that for the next decade, I need to do other things. And I need to keep pushing myself to do more and do better and do things differently. What are some of the other things that you've got on your plate at the moment then? <laughs> it's always funny because I'm always coming up with different ideas and different things that I would like to pursue and kind of wanting to do everything all at once. And Dean Jones, who, who's one of the partners here, he's fantastic, but he's also always saying to me, okay, but just make sure you're not putting too much on your plate. Yeah. Just make sure that, you know, you're not taking everything on all at once because I tend to want to do that. I tend to want to say yes to everything, which is amazing, but not always viable. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's not always enough time, is there, to do all of the things that we want to do at the same time. We have to spread them out. I struggle with that too. Oh, absolutely. And I think you and I are very similar-minded in that way to just say, okay, yes to everything, but maybe not right now all at one time. <laughs> yeah. So at the moment, I'm actually pursuing my second master's just in law because I've already got my MBA, just to try and give me that. I always, because I finished my law degree 2015. So I just felt like I needed that little bit of extra um, knowledge and probably academic qualifications in order to be at my highest level in law in Australia. So what I'm also doing is I was a lecturer when I was um, in Europe for actually more in the sports business area, but I've spoken to a couple of my uh, alumni universities and talked to them about pursuing like little different things, not necessarily being a lecturer, but I think, I think my experience in studying, especially an undergrad law degree or JD as some students do it here as well, has a very similar it's almost very similar to potentially what students are going through now in the COVID situation where a lot of universities are moving from face-to-face lecture situations to online because that's the only way they can deliver their subjects. Universities, from what I can see, are doing a great job of adjusting. However, 
at least from the students that I know and the discussions that I've had with them through a variety of roles. So I'm also vice president of the Young Lawyers uh, for the Law Institute of Victoria. And we have a very close-knit um, community, which is amazing. So some of the students or, law, or yeah, law students that have been discussing with me or even ones that are doing their PLT courses saying, this is not what I signed up for. I'm not learning. I can't focus. I can't do this. I can't do that. Because it's very different. The sitting down in a lecture, um, listening to the professor interacting with your students in a face-to-face, having study groups, et cetera, is a very different study environment than what I went through, which is you're very much alone, alone. which is very similar mm. to what students are going through now. So I thought I'd reach out to some of my alumni and they've been amazing, So my, um, the universities I've gone to, about taking me on board and, and I've started becoming um, a type of, I won't say counsellor at any stage because I'm not in psychology, but just understanding what students are going through and just saying, okay, well, this helped me when I was Sounds in this like situation. Sounds like you're their coach. <laughs> well, hopefully at least a little bit of a, um, a mentor in a weird way. <laughs> mentor, Yeah. <laughs> Have you got your hands on my new ebook? It's filled with 80 short, sharp and practical tips to help you firm your foundations, sort your strategy and optimise your operations so that you can modernise your law firm. Get your copy at lucydickens.com.au forward slash ebook. It's interesting. I do some adjunct lecturing for the College of Law and I've been doing that process from from the reverse, you know, so as a lecturer and as a facilitator of um, the legal practice management course, we've been taking that whole course online and trying to as much as possible replicate some of that in person, you know, the networking, the meeting new people, the casual chats that you can have when you're walking to get lunch, all that kind of thing. That's really quite that. I think that's the main thing that's missing when we move to this online facilitation. But I think that your experience from the other side, you know, having been a student studying remotely and doing this solo, that would be really, really valuable. So I think that's an excellent thing to have offered yeah, it's, it's definitely, I thought it was an interesting experience and I thought that it was, I could at least add some value for this period of time. So technically you're an associate at law firm Baker Jones, but we won't define you by that job title. <laughs> Tell me about your role in the practice of law. How are you doing law differently there? You know, it's quite wonderful to be having this discussion with you because I often have these discussions with my peers and my colleagues within the law industry about how we're all trying to shake things up and trying to do something in an industry that potentially is a little bit slower to adjust and change. And and I don't want to use the word innovate because it gets used a lot. Overused, yeah. But it is just the structure of how things are normally done is very set. And what I like to do is I like to just come in with a different approach. My background is not always in law. I didn't go to, from law school to my first job, etc. I've got a variety of different um, skills and approaches, and I also didn't live in Australia. So my mentality and my culture that I've grown up with is very different. So in saying that, and again, this comes back to having such a supportive team behind me, is saying to and having that open discussion with the partners and saying, hey, I think I would like to do things this way. What do you think? Or saying this writing style doesn't suit me or this way of communicating with the other side doesn't really suit me because I'm not a person who loves to write five-page letters to the other side. I'd like to just pick up the phone. What do you think? And again, luckily, they've been very supportive of that. 
saying, yeah, why don't you try that? And even suggesting, you know, I think at one stage I suggested that we go for a coffee to the other side, just saying, hey, do you want to just sit down and see if we can come to some sort of understanding of where our differences are at least or where our clients um, could potentially agree to before we start um, going into an official, you know, mediation or negotiation stage just so we're on the same page. What response did you get from the other party in that matter? A little bit of a shock, which to be fair, I I completely understand because I wasn't thinking about it as, you know, you're my enemy or anything like this because in the law industry, we're such a, it's so small and it's so insular that I found, especially in Melbourne, that everyone knows everyone. And I kind of figure, well, I'm going to see you at an event or I'm going to be potentially, you know, on the same side of you if anyone changes jobs or whatever happens in the future, that I don't see why we can't just sit down and and have a conversation. And everyone loves coffee in Melbourne, so why not? (laughs) It just kind of, it made sense to me in my head. (laughs) And, you know, I think it needs somebody to take that step. So we have a matter at the moment where there are two conflicting applications on foot at the court. And the registrar wrote to both parties and said, look, you've both filed these applications. Normally, I would rope you all in here and I would facilitate um, try and mediate, come to a come to a um, resolution, and we would work out who the proper applicant was. But because of COVID nineteen, I can't do that. So I'm just going to send you away to go and talk to each other, and then come back in a month and tell me how you got on or what decision you came to. And I was reflecting on that, and I thought, you know, I wonder. This is an example of one of those changes that you hope continues after all these social restrictions yeah. are, are lifted, because. How much more beneficial is that for the clients and for the court in terms of the time, you know, and we talk about the delays that things take to proceed through the court system. Why don't we mm-hmm. do that anyway? Why isn't that always the starting point? Why do we have to wait for some event like coronavirus or for a court registrar to say, hey, why don't you two actually just go and talk to each other? Why don't people do that anyway? So, you know, you're being the person who's going <laughs> to put your hand up and say, why don't we just talk to each other before we worry about all of the rest of that process? Oh, absolutely. And I kind of figure we've all got enough experience under our belts. We kind of know where things are going. Mm. Let's just skip the multiple steps in between and just kind of chat about, okay, where do you see this going? Um, Whether it's on the record or off the record or, you know, with prejudice or without prejudice discussion, it's just about how do we get from point A to point B as smoothly and as quickly as possible for our clients. And I don't see why has to be that much of an agitated discussion. It's very simple. We're Luckily, as lawyers, we're not emotionally involved. So we don't have the difficulties of the emotional attachment to the problem. So we can just talk in facts and go, okay, this is how I see it. How do you see it? And then come to some sort of either agreement or not, but at least you've had that and you've tried that discussion. Mm, absolutely. Now, you've mentioned that you have an MBA, you have a marketing background, and you've also got some experience in business development. So there is a lot of variety, as well as being a professional tennis player and a legal practitioner, you've got a lot of variety, you've had a lot of variety in your career. How do you see the MBA marketing, the business stuff in particular, how does that play itself out in your career, in your practice or in your role at Baker Jones? Oh, absolutely. Well, apart from just, you know, the general and every lawyer knows for has marketing and business development naturally within their own practice because obviously we've got client referrals, we've got, you know, networks, et cetera. So there's the usual side of 
our jobs about because we are in the service industry. We have to provide services to people being personable and being not only just good at our job, but also having those extra skills is very valuable to our own practice in general. But having that sort of background just allows me to have a different mindset when I'm approaching a matter or a a dispute. So I work in both commercial litigation and family law and just having that, just being able to innately understand, especially in commercial lit, what exactly is going on with the businesses. Because having had a business background and having run my own company, it's just so natural for me to go, oh, okay, when I'm looking at records, it's the easiest. Not to say that you can't do that, obviously, from just commercial litigation. I think commercial litigation uh, lawyers are some of the best business-minded people I've ever met. And I think probably should be a great subject for a business degree. (laughs) But, you know, it's just having that different outlook on how you can approach or just having a little bit more of a practical understanding of how businesses are run um, has definitely helped me pick things up. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to do law differently? Be yourself, because that is you doing law differently. It's very simple. You know, there's only one of you. And you're the only one that's had your experiences. And that's what's different. So if you've got a different approach and if you've got a different mindset or and even just a different way of empathizing with a client, use that. Don't be afraid to use that to your advantage. Um, and don't be afraid to discuss things with your sen- seniors because a lot of the time we also appreciate it. You know, just from this experience I've had, but also the experience that I can give to others to say, look, you come to me with an idea of how to do something different. And you say, oh, actually, I've been through this because, and so I, I would approach it like this. Amazing, because I might may not have had that experience. So that's your advantage to doing more differently is because you're different. I like that. That's a very different answer to any that I've been given before, which is why it's always interesting to ask the same question now and again. Yeah. Thanks, Jade. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us. It's been really interesting to learn more about your career and your approach to the practice of law. Oh, thank you, Lucy. I really love your podcast. So I've been, especially lately, preparing for this interview. I was listening to them and it's just so lovely to hear people's different perspectives in the same industry. And that's the whole point of, I guess, your podcast is how do people do the same job or be in the same industry and really have a different approach. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show and I love hearing what you think. Otherwise, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, send me a message and let me know. You can find all the past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.